2020. 2020, go F yourself. That's all <laughs> we have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, I am, of course, Adam K., the Brewmeister. This is the first time back on a Saturday in three weeks. It's been almost a month, well, just because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And with me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Honest Abe. Good morning. And, of course, Paul, <laughs> the producer. You sound so excited, Abe. I would think you'd be more excited to actually uh, be back on the air. I would have been more excited if we were in our office, in our studio. Well, it would be nice if we were in the studio. It would be nice. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we could go back to before the coronavirus started? Uh, I'll see. What? Come on, we can do a Beach Boys. We can create. Paul oh, will create a Beach Boys cover band about coronavirus. It'll be great. <laughs> so today we have uh, a very special guest coming on. But uh, before is, we do any update, oh, go ahead. Is he a very special guest? Well, have we had oh, him on before? Our, he's, he's our meter maker for this week. It's going to be Mr. Rocky Patel of Rocky Patel Cigars. It's great to have him back. He's uh, checking in with us from Naples, where they are still hard at work. And uh, as you've seen over social media, they've been doing a lot of posts throughout the week just to, uh, you know, not get claustrophobic, as I think a lot of people are really trying to do, as everybody's in a stay-at-home scenario. It's a lot of fun. Rocky is not going to let his, this virus take away from being one of the our hardest working guys in the industry. Absolutely. He's going to- <laughs> Corona cough. <laughs> every Quit time you cough now, yeah. Every time you cough now, you you worry that something's going on. People around you stare you down, right? No, we've been pretty much all locked, all locked in the house now. So you know, if we haven't gotten it by now, it's gonna be very hard for us to get it. I'm like being like uber paranoid. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. We got a ship sat there with the gloves, like solved every package down. Did you say something like about baking like, papers? Yeah, yeah. I, I had three reams of paper delivered, copy paper, because the kids are doing school from home. So I don't know where that paper is. You know, what you don't realize is this. This is like an STD. Not about the paper. It's about everywhere the paper's been. And who's been around that piece of paper, right? Not only are you just letting a reel of paper in your house, that paper was on a warehouse floor with warehouse workers touching people, touching people. So eventually got to my door. So yeah, papers combustible about 400 and some degrees. So I set my oven to 250. I threw the three reams in there for about 30 minutes and took them out nice, toasty, and warm and clean. <laughs> Wait, and so did you, did you read that somewhere? No, you never read what? Fahrenheit 451? I mean, I, but does it kill the does it kill the coronavirus? Is what I'm saying. Is because there's studies that say that that kills the coronavirus. 133 degrees. Wow. Starts to break down in 133 degrees. Or if it just sits for five days, it's it can't the virus dies. If the virus is is, is covered by a fatty cell like you know substance, which eventually breaks down, but the heat. Breaks it down right away. Starts to literally melt. All right. The uh, layer. Let's go ahead and bring in our uh, meter maker for this week, uh, Mr. Rocky Patel. Rocky, thanks for joining us. How you doing this morning? 
Great, great to be with everybody, you know, top of the morning to you. I hope everybody's safe and uh, staying healthy out there. Absolutely. We are doing our best. Uh, how much Purell have you gone through this week? Uh, quite a bit. A lot of Lysol, a lot of Clorox wipes, and uh, homemade Purell, and also store-bought Purell. So, you know, we're, our office is open, believe it or not. We've got everybody on staggered hours. They closed down the kitchen, the coffee maker, the toaster, the microwave, the water cooler. Uh, you got a Clorox, every doorknob and every toilet handle before you go in and out. But, you know, uh, it's nerve-wracking because we have about... Uh, 30-some people in the office, and you don't know their spouses, you don't know their boyfriends, you don't know where people have been, so you got to be careful. I mean, uh, you know, uh, right now uh, business was rocking and rolling actually last week, and this week it, it's kind of come to a dire halt as most retail shops close down, so, uh, you know, we're just trying to keep people employed, uh, we're trying to take care of people, uh, we're trying to keep them occupied in, in separate spaces, it's uh, it's a really unique, difficult time. You know me, I'm the most social person in the world. I'm absolutely going stir-crazy all day long. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just cooking and, cooking and providing, bringing food to the office for people. So I don't know what else to do with myself. Meditate. I saw you. Are you cooking last week? Uh, you did a video. You were grilling up some fish, some fresh fish. Yeah, in the last few days I made some lamb chops, I made some shrimp with ponzu sauce, I made some penne alla vodka, I made some sausage and pepper, I made some chicken makhani, I made some sikh kebab, I made uh, uh, I made corned beef and coleslaw sandwiches with uh, Russian dressing on, uh, uh, on rye bread, uh, on and on and on, I made some pizzas. Uh, yeah, i just been cooking up the storm, you know, i just uh, trying all kinds of new recipes, i tried some Persian food, i tried, just, uh, that's, uh, I'll crack open a little bottle of wine, and uh, that's it, I haven't been watching much TV, I watch a little news a little bit, uh, other than that, it's just, you know, exercising, cooking, relaxing, dealing with labor lawyers, dealing with bankers, you know, trying to take care of stuff. I mean, we closed down all our burn locations. We still have people on payroll there employed. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a significant thing when you think about it. Our factory in Honduras closed a, a week and a half ago. Nicaragua closed yesterday. All the logistics of uh, dealing with uh, a couple thousand people down there, people in the farms, you know, making sure they're okay, educating them. Uh, really, the government in Nicaragua wasn't helping out. They were making it sound like China, like, no big deal, you're going to be fine. We're like, listen, people, you really need to be careful. You need to stay at home. And they don't have sanitizers there, right? I'm trying to get them to educate themselves to make homemade sanit sanitizer. So, you know, we've been quite busy. None of those countries are ready for a pandemic. No, are you kidding me? I mean, uh, no. I mean, listen, the people, I mean, in their neighborhoods, you know, they they walk down to a well or to a river, uh, thousands of them sharing to get a pot of water just to survive for the day. You know, they don't even have running water. They don't have electricity. Many of them, hundreds of hundreds share one toilet. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they certainly don't have the medical staff. No, it would be talk about a pandemic, I don't know what the world would be if it hit Central America. So they have to be very, very cognizant of that. they got to be very careful. they got to knock it out in the bud. The government's got to be sensitive about it. It's a scary, it's a scary thing. 
Now, Rocky, you, you're still going in the office. Now, you're, you're honestly, I mean, it's no secret, you're much healthier than I am. But you're older and you're in the high, you're in the high risk range. Are, are, you, are you concerned about going out? Well, you know, obviously I'm being very careful what I do. You know, I haven't been around people. I mean, uh, really I'm around the executive team in the office. It's myself, Nish Nimish, and Dave. I mean, we, 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 we distance ourselves. Uh, you know, there's not a knob or light switch that isn't Clorox that we don't touch. I mean, I sanitize my car, my door handle. I mean, I can I can be as careful as I possibly can, right? I'm not taking any risks. I'm not going out there. Uh, every once in a while, I'll go to the grocery store and that too before I touch a cart or anything. Everything's Clorox. You just got to be careful. You don't know who has it. I mean, you know, we know people who've, who've gotten it and... Uh, yeah, you got to be careful as much as I want to hang around people and go golfing and do this and do that. I, I, I can't. You know, it is it is a time and uncertainty we face. Rocky, when you say making homemade sanitizer, how are you doing that? Well, somebody, actually a friend of mine, made it for me. So I didn't make it, but they took the uh, ethanol and alcohol, and then they've taken some watermelon gels and some other stuff I don't okay I, i'll show you later in a little bit i got like eight nine different colors of it that i could find out exactly how it's made yeah but they made it at home so as long as it's got over 70 percent alcohol it should be effective so i'm yeah. sure you can go on the internet and there are recipes uh how you make it so we'll have you know, to check that out gouging. i went to the asian market the other day to pick up some dumpling you know i, I want to make homemade dumplings so i just needed the shells and uh, I was very careful again there, and I saw four or five bottles of hand sanitizer, and they were charging $36 for a little bottle, just gouging. You know, I wanted to report them to somebody because that's ridiculous. So, yeah, it's hard to get right now. Oh, yeah. You can definitely report that to uh, the state of Florida, and they will definitely write those people up and send them a hefty fine, most definitely. Well, there's still guys online selling selling hand sanitizer for like three packs for two hundred dollars, and I've seen it, you know, on uh, on sites. No, so are you guys doing no. that? I know it's a little worse out on the west coast, on the east coast than it is on the west coast. Because we got more New Yorkers on this side than you guys. Yeah, do. I know. Well, guys... That's what's scary that these people are going everywhere. I talked to a friend of mine, Barry, in in Pennsylvania. He told me the hospitals. Allentown, Bethlehem, that all, just 90% of them are packed with New Yorkers. So, you know, it, with, with a city like that, it's very, very difficult. And you guys have so many New Yorkers on that coast. And I remember people last week, up to last week in Miami, they were having parties everywhere. And they go out on boats and have parties. And people were just, they, they, people did not take this thing seriously. No, not to mention all the kids on spring break in Daytona and everywhere else in Fort Lauderdale last week that were going out and like packing the beaches to the gills. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I know people that are 29 years old. I, I know a DJ that was very, very young in this area who passed in perfect condition. So it's it, there's a lot of genetic that really applies to this, right? It's, it's whether you're pre-diabetic. I mean, it, it, your health does matter, but it, it, this thing attacks anything and everybody from old people to young people. I've seen people in three days gone. I've heard of people that, you know, so... Just be careful, smoke your cigars, stay at home, enjoy your favorite beverage, chill out. You know, this is the time to actually take up something you've ever wanted to do. I don't care whether it's have a little garden and plant some chilies yeah. and tomatoes, uh, you know, whether you want to cook, whether you want to exercise, whatever your mission is, whatever hobby you want to take up, 
here's the time to take it up. So it's got to be tough for you guys. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, I was going to say, have you created a coronavirus cocktail yet to uh, get through uh, that? Listen, through scenario? I, you know, I, you all know how much time I spend on the road, right? And it's exhausting. Oh, yeah. Late yeah. nights, late hours, flights, airplanes, unpacking, packing, ironing, TSA. And I'd be exhausted after a four or five day trip. The first thing I do is I come home, I get in the shower and I'm out of my house. I'm going to a friend's house to cook. I'm going somewhere. I just, I'm not one of those guys that can sit back and read a book. I'm not one of those guys who can turn on and just, you know, watch, like, just, you know, binge watch TV shows and just watch stuff. I got to be around people. I got to be doing things. I got to be cooking. I got to be active. I got to do sports. I've never been a sit around guy. So you can just imagine I'm pacing. They're literally pacing back and forth, back and forth. That's why it's so great. I'm so happy to be on the show because I have, uh, I can actually do something, be with people. You know, it's great to be with you guys. Cause Getting that social know. interaction going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Me, it's got to be me, tough me, for you guys. Go ahead, Abe. No, I was going to say, let me, let me ask you a couple questions. First off, are you alone at the house? Am I what? Are you alone? Are you by yourself? Yeah, I'm by myself. Yeah, yeah I'm by myself don't typically spend a lot of time by yourself at home, right? I have never. Right. <laughs> I remember I remember on my 50th birthday. That had, how old are you now? 56, 7? 59. Oh, gosh. Time is flying. I remember you and I had lunch in Delray. I arrived on the 50th birthday. You were in town. We met in Delray. Rocky calls me up. This is a great story. Rocky calls me up, driving me nuts, trying to find out where there's a good Italian restaurant. He wants real good Italian, right? So I'm, I'm trying to find out where he's coming from, where's a good place we can meet in the middle of some good Italian food. And I find a really good place in Delray. We go down there, and he orders a chicken Caesar salad. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So I remember I had conversation because you know Rocky and I have been friends for a long time Rocky was at my wedding when I got married and I remember that conversation we we're sitting there Rocky you were telling me you felt like you wanted to get married right you said look I'm 50 I want to get married do you remember what my response to you I, was uh, yeah do you remember <laughs> what I said or no I, it remind me of the response no I, I said to you are you crazy get a dog <laughs> you think I'm, I'm getting a little bit lonely. I'm 50. I think you're 50. You want to get married now? You go get a dog. The dog will keep you in company. It's not all this complicated and whatnot. Now, now that you're getting man, is that is that still a feeling you have, or are you past that? <laughs> no, I mean, listen. It, it's important. To, it's important to find somebody special. Somebody to spend time with. You know, I'm, I guess I'm just so old and picky now. That's very, very difficult. Uh, it's not easy for somebody as a companion or as a girlfriend who can put up with, uh, you know, the days we spend on the road flying around, the events that we do, yeah. and be open-minded to, you know, uh, coming home and, and then, you know, having cocktails, enjoying cigars, friends, enjoying groups of friends. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I, 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 I not wood. Hopefully one day it will happen, you know, who knows, God willing. But... Yeah, you, you know, grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It reminds me of these videos. Have you guys seen these videos that are out there? 
plan A and plan B, and the, the guy goes, no, B, 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 I'll take B. 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 See those radios out there? They offer B. you like somebody gets down and they say, you know, because of the virus, you know, if we gave you two plans, you know, if you could be with your loving wife and stay with your wife the whole time, you would we take that or plan B? And before the guy says plan B, the guy goes, B, 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 you know. So, um, that went that went viral. That went viral. Hey Paul, how's it going? My audio, but it's not working. I'm sorry. You gotta mute everything. Just hit mute on the screen and it'll mute everything. No, it mutes you too. Oh, yeah, exactly. So Abe, how long you guys have been doing this show now how many years? It's gotta be going on nine now. Uh, yeah, because it was 2011. Yeah, it was going on nine years. June 25th, 2011, was the first broadcast uh, with Jim Colucci. Yeah, who would have who would have ever thought, right? No. So I'm getting ready to spark up. I'm getting ready to spark up the new TAA cigar. This is a TAA exclusive. As you know, Abe, we were supposed to be in Cabo San Lucas last week. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the TA is a collection of special retailers, about 60 retailers, 65 retailers from around the country. Uh, you know, they get together, they share ideas, they talk about politics, uh, they have some unique buying power, they come up with special products, and, uh, and they work very, very closely with the manufacturers. So this was a cigar we were going to launch. There. It's a Habano wrapper. Uh, 50% Nicaraguan filler from our farms in Estelín, Condega, and I don't tell what the other 50% is. And this is probably the closest cigar that I've ever had that smokes like the old, old, old Cubans from 25 years ago. Medium body, but rich flavor. Uh, lots of sweetness on the palate. So uh, I think you got some in. Didn't Nimish get you some, Abe? Uh, it could be, man. The last couple of weeks before we went out, man, I, I, we're all over the place. So... I know we're going to get you some. Uh, you obviously are one of the special retailers that are part of this elite group. And uh, uh, they're being air shipped up now before the factory closed. we got one air shipment out. So uh, talk to my cousin and we'll get you some for your stores because these are special. We only made a thousand boxes of one size, Toro. And once they're done and gone, they're gone. You know, the unique opportunity, I have, one of the things we did. Because, you know, we've been coming out with so many blends and doing so much stuff. And I said, you know, now that we've had our farms for seven years and we bought another new farm, uh, one of the biggest farms in Esteli, um, and it's never, never had tobacco growing on it. We've been growing tobacco now. And uh, over time, we've had the opportunity to really accumulate some aged tobaccos, some wrappers, binders, fillers, not only our own tobaccos, but we're buying rare stuff from the Placentia family and from ASP and the Oliva growing family and, uh, you know, from the Torrance in Mexico um, and the Marifils from Cameroon. And so we've, we've really been collecting a lot of tobacco, but we started rolling cigars in Esteli and aging them. And I had a mill car build a humidor that holds a million and a half cigars. And we showed people there, including the Cigar Fijano people, when they're there for the Coagun Festival, says, now we have the opportunity to take cigars and literally put them away for 18 months, for two years. And that's what we did with the Age Limited and Rare. We made that cigar and we put it away for two years. It made only a thousand boxes each size. And that cigar, it turned out quite amazing and people are loving it. It's gone. So 
that's kind of what this is. This was rolled and put away for 18 months uh, before it was shipped. And we have products now that all we're going to do is two-year-old. Two it's amazing how great they taste, how balanced they are, and how rich they are, and how burned they well when we have the option to do that. So that's kind of what we're doing now is having the luxury to really take some of these cigars and put them away for a long time. You know, Rock, I'm glad you brought up the TAA. I got a little question. You know, there were some rumors going around about a month ago about the TA getting sued by somebody. Has that come to fruition at all? Has anything happened with that? Has no, that's, about not, that? that's not true. I would have known, but no, they did not get sued about anything that I know about. Okay. Then there was some word about a disgraceful detail out there. We're going to bring a, a case against the TAA and... Oh, you know what that, or I know what that was. I know what that was. Listen, there's a certain retailer in Texas, uh, namely in the Dallas area, who basically owes a lot of manufacturers money. And he has not paid people in a very long time. His shelves are dried up. Uh, you know, he, he really, fortunately, I don't know what he's doing. At one point, I considered him a friend. And uh, I think we all know who it is. He's got several stores out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, people were wondering why he's allowed to come to the TA as a member because I thought the bylaws said uh, that if you or delinquent past 90 days or whatever that number is for X amount to more than one or two or three manufacturers, that you're prohibited from coming to the TA. And so he threatened to sue. I guess there was some something in the small print that he found that excluded him. I, I, I don't know the details of it all, but that he was threatening to sue if they didn't allow him to come. And uh, personally, we're one of those manufacturers that we're owed a lot of money. Uh, he's been in collections for over a year. Uh, he hasn't bought, he can't buy anything. So, uh, you know, he's run the businesses into the ground, and it's unfortunate. No, that is sad. But yeah, I think the case I was hearing about, I don't know if that was the same story. Um, but TA, now you, you're a guy who's very, very active. You're active in the legislature, which I'm assuming at this point you're taking a break from that. Well, you know, I was, believe it or not, so right before I went to India, which is right after Christmas, uh, we were very, very active. Uh, I'd been to Washington, I think, three or three out of four weeks in a row. Uh, I went there a week with George Padron. I, uh, other times I went there by myself. And, uh, you know, we finally got into the White House. And, you know, that that's something that I've been working long and hard to wake the White House out to kind of understand <clears throat> and the administration to wake them up to understand our issues because we're, we're coming to the end of the line here. Uh, we had deadlines looming in May to file substantial equivalent reports. You know, we, we had a couple cases pending in the federal courts in the D.C. Circuit. The first one uh, was the warnings case that we, we got a victory. Uh, it was a really, really good ruling by Judge Mehta. He basically said uh, for two, two separate reasons why we ought not to have warning stickers cover up 30 or 40 percent of our boxes. First and foremost, uh, the freedom of speech argument. Uh, he basically said that, you know, 
uh, we have the right to do commerce and talk about the history and heritage of, of the families like the Fuentes and the Padrones. Uh, we, we have the opportunity to talk about the different unique tobaccos like the wine labels, the vintages, the limited reserves, the limited things. And, 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 and the boxes speak to people so that they can make choices between all the different types of cigars and manufacturers, much like you do with wine labels, right? You couldn't buy a wine if you, if you had all this information covered and you wouldn't know the difference between the grape varietals and the vintages. That was number one. But the most significant thing is that he pointed out that the FD has failed to show any relevant science or evidence that shows that premium cigars are dangerous, uh, have a health impact, uh, they have no studies. In fact, everything else shows that there are no youth access issues and there's no science to show that premium cigars uh, cause cancer and impose all the health risks and all, all the information that you want us to put on these warning stickers that, that, that say all these nasty things about tobacco and cigars, it just is not true. So that was a great victory. Uh, the second lawsuit, we have oral arguments going on April 23rd, and, and that's just throughout the whole substantial equivalence. For those of you uh, listeners out there don't understand what substantial equivalence is, uh, basically it's, it's an old, old kind of theory that the FDA threw on the premium cigar category it was relevant to cigarettes. And what they said is, listen, we understand that cigarettes and cigarette tobacco has been manipulated for a long time and they were adding nicotine and tar and chemicals to cigarettes and so what we did is we came up with a standard how cigarettes should be made and that standard has to be complied to and we're going to test cigarettes every so often to make sure they stay within that standard so they came up with these tests and these machines and they said from now moving forward every cigarette has to be made this way well what they did is they took the same same standards that are meant for cigarettes and impose them on premium cigar companies. And they said that no new cigars can come out in the marketplace after 2007, uh, February 2007. And if you do, then we wanna make sure these premium cigars are exactly the same as cigars that were made prior to 2007. Now, I don't know why they came up with this arbitrary date, but it was a date for cigarettes. And then they wanted to make sure every single cigar is the same. Well, guess what? Every cigar is intended to be different. The cigars that I make, or Padron makes, or Carlito makes, or Lito makes, or anybody else that makes them, we all intend and try to make our cigars unique and different. That's what's cool about our cigars, just like a winemaker. You try to make your wine different, right? And not only that, from roller to roller, it's impossible because it's a handmade product and it's artisan product. Roller to roller, every bunch or every roller, the cigar is completely unique and different. It's impossible to make it exactly the same. We don't manipulate a tobacco. We add nothing to the tobacco. It's very, very clean water. We don't add chemicals. We don't do any of that. And there are no machines to test it. So this whole substantial equivalent theory of filing these reports, showing them that cigars are, are the same, it's not relevant to our business. It's impossible to do, and it would cost a company like mine. If you include that in constituent testing and all that, it would cost me $50, $60 million to do it. It would be impossible to wipe out the industry. So that's what we kind of tried to explain to Congress, and that's what we're explaining in the courts, and that's what we're trying to tell the White House, right? So... The, the, these rules are so overreaching, they're so burdensome, they're so egregious that they make no sense. And this was going to destroy the industry. 
So obviously Congress is hemming and hawing, hemming and hawing. It's impossible to get anything done with all the politics there between the health groups and big tobacco and everything else. So finally, the White House actually got wind of all this and we've been knocking on their door, on their administration, and they set up a task force to deal with our issue. They were, they were, they were great listeners. They were very engaged. And they actually reached out and said, we're going to help you and we want to do something with you. Give us some cover. We, we got all the evidence to them, all the research that we had, all the data from the New England Journal of Medicine showing that the average cigar smoker starts smoking a cigar at like 26.7 years old. The average cigarette smoker starts smoking at 13 years old. The average cigar smoker smokes two or less a day. And if you do, there's zero health impact. Anyway, there's tons of data and cover that they needed to use. So we're working with them very closely, very engaged with them. They're pushing back on the FDA and HHS, and then all of a sudden the virus hit. So that's where we are right now. I just want to know if you just break from it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got a whole dissertation there. Exactly, we're taking a break, but we're still very engaged in sending them information. We're very engaged in sending letters. We just sent four letters yesterday. Uh, Mike Meadows now, who's the new chief of staff for President Trump, uh, we met with him in his office about uh, four weeks ago, and he promised to help us. Uh, he was a North Carolina congressman. He's very concerned about people in his state. So we have letters going from the PC, letters going from myself and George Padronka, George and I met with him. Uh, we have letters going from another state senator from North Carolina, and now he's the new chief of staff. Him and his chief of staff are very involved. So, no, we're still very, very active. We're giving okay. them space during the virus, but we're quite active. Uh, so, listen, you said something during that dialogue which triggered a memory for me. You know, what a lot of people don't really realize in this industry is um, a lot of us are actually very close friends, right? You, me, John, Marvin, Eric, Jeff. I mean, we socialize on a social level often throughout our careers, and, and we're close. And you had mentioned um, Lito Gomez in your list of manufacturers, and, and you guys kind of had a little blow up on uh, social media about a month ago. And as far as I was knew, you guys had been friends. Did you guys get past that situation? That little situation there, you guys had? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I want. I don't want to get into it, but. I get along with every single person out there. I get along with every single person. All those names you mentioned, Eric, Marvin, uh, all those guys are close, close friends. There's one person, there's only one person in the industry who seems to have a vendetta and, and, and has a problem with me. And he said some nasty things on social media. And and I guess uh, he, he's still, he's, he, he, I don't, I don't understand. He's still going nuts. He always has. I can't figure out what, what his issue is, but uh, it stems from an issue that we came up with a brand called uh, Super Lijero. And it was based on a seed varietal that the Placencia family had in Costa Rica that they call Super Lijero. Uh, you remember the box. It was a very bowling alley looking box, blue and funky and cool. Anyway, so this person thought that it, it it, it, it was a takeoff or knockoff on his double Liero, and he can't get over it. And, you know, listen, I'm not I'm not going to roll in the mud with all that stuff. I, I take no, the no. high ground. I, was I, mean, I always take the high ground. I've always been a gentleman. I've always put out the olive branch, and, and he can't seem to get over it. It was never done intentionally. It was done simply because we thought it was a seed. We never even thought about that brand when we made that brand. And so... You know, that's his problem. If he can't get over and he's got his uh, his issues with it and he's got his opinions, I'm not going to roll in the mud with that. 
Uh, no, I, I was just more curious if you guys had actually talked afterwards and kind of got over it or not. But I think no, no, he's that. never going to get over it. He's very stubborn, and you know, I don't. He, he said some things that I I would never use that, those kind of words about anybody in the industry. But you know, that's that's how he wants to behave. That's his personal choice. It was some critical words, and I think Aficionado ended up taking the whole post down. I yeah, yeah. It was a, basically, I made a post during the Dominican Festival because there were a lot of people on stage, uh, out of which 70% of those people that were on stage, I just said a post that would be nice if these people would participate in protecting the industry, right? Which is basically, right now what's going through is, we're, we're, we've spent $6 million in this litigation to fight and protect the industry. On top of which, we spent many millions on lobbyists, okay? We have lobbyists on the, on the Democratic House side, Republican side, Senate side. I mean, tons of money. On top of it, our time. I spent 60% of my time between Washington, D.C., airplanes, hotels, doing all this stuff, taking away from my business. And there's about six to ten companies out of which six companies are carrying most of the lift. Most of the money. Yeah, there are people participating with small checks here and there, but it's insignificant amount of people compared to the people that ought to participate in this industry. And it's like, you know, 20% of us are carrying the weight for the other 80%. It's not fair. We're spending 200. We had a, a phone call day before yesterday. And we, you know, again, we're kicking it, you know, 60,000 here, 50,000 here, 100,000 here. I mean, it's a lot of money. And everybody else is giving a fair, a, a free ride, not putting in their fair share. And it's just not fair. So I made a post, and then Alan Rubin made a post, and then Christian made a post. And it was a post saying, yeah, there's a lot of people here that are getting a free ride that are not participating and ought to protect and care about the welfare of the industry. And so this, uh, so the one person that I was talking about got on and said, you're a piece of shit, blah, 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 whatever. He called me these names. And anyway, it was, you know, it's like, well, I, it was not directed to him. It was not directed to Carlito, you know, who's, who's certainly Carlito, Padron's Ashton. There are a lot of people that are helping out quite a bit financially with the resources of time. So it was directed to those people. And we all know who those people are that are not putting in time, putting in money, not caring, taking advantage, and it's just not fair. But isn't that typically the 20% rule? I mean, across anything, usually 20% of the people are either doing all the work. Yeah, I know, I know, but there. in our case, I mean, it's even less than that. You know, it's a handful of companies. The amount, It's not only the time. The time we spend is unbelievable, and we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And it's the right thing to do to save our industry that we've all worked so for, hard for. And, and giving all these new manufacturers the, the, the opportunity to come out and introduce their products. I mean, listen, we the, the ones that are doing it would be probably better off just sitting there on their laurels because they're going to be fine. It's, it's to protect the future of these new rising stars, all these new people that are trying to come out. But, you know, and I'm not going to mention names, but all you have to do is uh, ask Lynn Loop or go... Go to CR and find out who those contributors are and who are the companies that are carrying the weight. And there's a lot of companies that are of significant size, including the biggest companies who would just absolutely sit on their fucking ass. And it's just horseshit because this is about your livelihood of saving the industry. It's about protecting this artisan cottage industry. And, and, and these people are just doing nothing about it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, when, not, when it's say, not right. Including the when you say the big, 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 big companies, are you talking about companies who most likely don't have the same agenda that 
you do? Well, you know, listen, I'm not going to speak for their agenda. I speak by their actions, right? I'm not going to tell you what their agenda and what their mindset is. But if you look at the actions and how they behave, how they behave in Congress, how they're engaged, how much money they spend, the way they spend, they must have a different agenda, okay? And so uh, I, all I can tell you is the, these two big companies, uh, three big companies, four big companies, when you look at their agenda, actions speak louder than your words, right? So all I see is the way they behave. Maybe they want regulation light, as they claim. Maybe they want regulation. Maybe it's an advantage for them for competition. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that the behavior is not in line with looking for an exemption, looking for protection. Maybe they think they're smarter than us. They're brighter than us. Well, guess what? We've all spent a lot of time there, and I can tell you that they have a lack of knowledge of what's going on. They're uninvolved in what's going on. They hire lobbyists and, and lawyers out there that really don't put in, put in the time, they don't participate to give them wise education, wise knowledge to make the appropriate right decisions. So these people are sitting in their boardrooms, clueless, clueless about what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis in the halls of Washington, what's going on in the administrations. They think they can write checks and have people do the work for them. Nobody does the work than ourselves. Nobody can do the work like we can do when we're involved on a first-hand basis, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, but Rock, Rock, you, you confused me there a little bit because it, it, their, 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 their agenda hasn't been a secret. Altria came out with a press release saying they're, they're for legislation. Um, whether it's Altria, whether it's Scandinavian, whether it's Imperial, these people all kind of been lobbying for legislation, have done zero lobbying, and don't believe in a premium cigar exemption. It's kind of always been their public opinion. So I don't know... It's not a secret agenda, but the problem is that, you know, you're thinking that they don't know what's going on. I, I kind of think they exactly know what's going on because the parent companies that own these guys have always been 100% for regulation because they're the people that can, can curtail the regulation and deal with the regulation while competition can't. Listen, being a lawyer, I have to be very careful. <laughs> right? I don't want any lawsuits or libel or slander. I can give you an opinion of what I see. I don't know what their mindset is. I can't tell you what they're saying, but you can read between the lines. Well, I mean, listen, that's my personal opinion on the matter. It's not that, so, but that, that, that's, you know, based on what you've read and press releases and their actions, that's just what it appears like to me. It appears like, that, you know, look, they, 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 Talk to your local retailers. Uh, they basically can give you a good idea of uh, who's involved, who's doing the work. And there are a lot of good companies. Listen, I have a lot of you know, the friends at Ashton and Padron and Fuente and Newman's and, uh, and several several <laughs> others, Alec Bradley and uh, you know, uh, uh, Christian. And there's quite a few people that are you know quite involved in helping and. And, uh, you know, there are people that are doing great work out there that are helping out. But there's a lot of people just sitting on the sidelines. Um, I, just, I, just find it, I just find it confusing. Like, you, you know what I'm going to do, Abe? I'm going to have Glenn send you a list. This is going to be good for your show, for your next show. I'm going to have him send you a list of the, last, the donors for the last four and five years of the people that are contributing and the companies that are contributing. And you're going to be shocked when you see that list 
and see some of the companies have given zero, zero. I mean, we were supposed, these big companies are supposed to be equal partners in this original lawsuit. And that's why we, we tagged them along and had them, the dead weight on our, on, on our back because the dead weight came from machine-made cigars, came from all the products that, that the FDA has a problem with, including flavors and everything else. And, and, and that dead baggage was a hard and heavy lift to carry these people through this, through this cycle uh, of, of, uh, uh, of the, the legal battle, right? And, and we said, okay, well, between the PCA, which is the, the retail community and the retail association, the CRA, which are mostly made up of family-owned companies, and the CAA, which is made up of the large corporations, most of which make a lot of the machine-made cigars, we said, well, we'll split the lawsuit a third, a third, a third. That was supposed to be the original agreement. And guess what? These people never came through. 99% uh, of, of the major legal bills uh, by Norton Rose and Mike Edney, our lead attorney, were split between the retail community and the family-owned companies, and nothing came from the other side. And they benefited more from this than anybody else, or equally. And so it's it's a shame. Well, I mean, look, originally the way I always see it was the CRA should have really been what it was intended to be, was a consumer organization. It should have, you know, it's been around enough. It should have found a way where the consumer, there's, a, there's millions of tobacco and cigar consumers out there, right? It should have found a way to be self-supportive because... The manufacturers already had the, the PCA, the IPCPR, the CAA. I mean, how many times can you dip in the same well across how many different groups? You know, the CRA's whole envisionment when it started was to be the one segment that would focus on representing the people, right? Because, look, us as an industry, I mean, what, what do we have? A couple thousand relatives, you know, two, three thousand, four thousand legitimate tobacco shops, cigar shops, you know? A couple, a thousand, less than a thousand, maybe not even maybe five hundred manufacturers. It's nothing. You needed the representation of three million, five million, ten million people out there. You know, and that's that's what the CRA, well, yeah, in, that in was, my vision, didn't did achieve. That, that was the original intention, right? That was the intention to have that voice, have the consumers involved, so we'd have a voice in Washington to actually show that we're a group of people that really care about. Uh, being having uh, the right to enjoy cigars and not to have that right liberty taken away by anti-smoking regulation, by taxation, all the other things that we're not going to be pushed around. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, when we and we tried so hard to get people to sign up, and for twenty-five dollars, it was like pulling teeth to get people to sign up. We did, even we offered free cigars. We went on this tour. We did everything. We got like 10,000, 15,000 at one point, maybe 20,000, the max. That's, we could never surpass that. And, and the other issue was that our interests for the last many decades have been represented by these big companies. The big companies basically said to us, don't worry, join our organization. We got your back. Well, every time a major issue came up, they didn't have our back. They screwed us. They screwed us on S-chip. They screwed us here. We ended up paying 40 cents a cigar. It could have been as high as $3 a cigar on that tax. It wasn't myself, Boris Quitz, and a bunch of other people going to Washington, D.C. and tackling on this issue early on and saying, what the hell is going on here? I sat in those Senate Finance Committee meetings where we had, you know, people from Otatis and, and, and sitting in 
you know, saying that, yeah, we think that $3 per cigar is unfair tax to finally the premium cigar industry needs to pay its fair share. All they were trying to do is protect the machine inside. So they've historically thrown us under the bus. And so that's why the family-owned companies got together and said, we, find, we have a voice now under Cigar Rights of America to stand for our own to educate Congress, to talk about the relevance of these family-owned companies, that we are small mom-and-pop companies, many of them been around for generations, that we are an artisan product, we are a cottage industry, we're very different than all other tobacco products. We make up 0.01% of tobacco products, and, and, and we don't, you know, we're enjoyed by adults occasionally. And so it's a very unique and different product, and this is our story. And we don't have a camp in the machine-made side, and we don't have a camp in the tobacco side, so please treat us differently. And that's what's really happened here. So that's why we have the PRA and we have the retailers. Oh, I, I know, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to get in a, a, con, you know, a conflict here. But see, here's where I have a problem with it, right? If you start using the CRA as your voice, which I understand, you like this is a great medium for you guys to achieve and get your message to Congress, well then that's you're funding it. You know, if you just do basic math, right? If you say, look, if the CRA could, could have just gotten a quarter million, between mailing list of, you know, the CI customers, the Thompson customers, or whatever, every every retailer who does e-commerce, if you just say, they got a quarter million people, a quarter million people at, at 25 or 30 bucks a month, whatever it is, that's six million, seven million in revenue a year. I don't think he, I don't think they're raising six million, seven million dollars. You know, I well, mean, that, you know, this is. Uh, but, but here's the flaw, see, because once you get, once you guys took it over as a platform, then you guys started funding it, and that's what happened. You know, it should have stuck to its guns and went out and built, focused on building the consumer base and marketed a consumer base, just like the NRA did, and that's what. When I originally was involved Dave, in the beginning, uh, that Dave, was the whole vision. Dave, I wish uh, that's a pipe dream. I wish that was possible. Listen, many of us, many of us would do events around the country. There'd be 120 people. And out of 120 people, when we gave a passionate speech about what it is that the CRA is trying to do, the consumer arm to save the industry, to fight local taxation, to fight anti-smoking issues, to be allowed to smoke in your stores, not even getting into all the federal issues that are much bigger with the FDA. You know, after a passionate speech, after you told people, sign up for a membership for $25, you will give you two free cigars, you're lucky to get three or four people in that room to sign up, okay? It's, not, it's been so difficult, it's been such a challenge. People just don't want to get involved. I think if you gave away a membership for a dollar, yes, you'll probably get about 75% of people sign up. But at $25, it was not the case. It wasn't even paying for the overhead. So I, I wish it was true. I'd love to that's, do that. That was the original. No, no, no. Go, but that's the marketing. That's the marketing and messaging problem. See, that's the problem. When, when, when they had a marketing and messaging, let me sit here and tell you about all the rights we're going to take away from you. And, and you guys had this whole dissertation about you know how important it is. And when it, that didn't work, when that, did, when that message wasn't transcending with the people for them to sign up, you kept using the same message. That's not how marketing works. When your message isn't working, you have to reevaluate and find the right, the, the right message to resonate with the people. Because it's marketable, Rocky. It's $25 for three cigars. You do I do events. We know what's sellable. The price point per year isn't sellable. It's very sellable. It's not a retarded amount. It's $100 a year. 
25 bucks for a year. It's a sellable dollar amount. The, the goods that you get are, are good goods. And the, and the reason for it is good. I think the messaging has been off point from the beginning and never resonated well and communicated well with the consumer base. And today, there's a lot better ways to get out there than 120-person events. You know, that doesn't, that, 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 the handshaking one at a time. No, I, I really think it could have been done. It just wasn't, wasn't pivoted right. Because for, for me, the way I see it, the most powerful way that, that organization is to react, when it can start representing two, three, five hundred thousand people, and not just a small group of people that are in the industry. It's never going to resonate as well in, in, in government, representing a handful of people in the industry. You know, not representing a handful, we're basically representing 90% of the, the manufacturers out there. We're representing about right. 80 companies that are out there, basically not representing three or four of the majors. Outside of that, everybody's represented. Now, they might not all pay in or put in the effort, but they're certainly equally represented. But your point is well taken. Listen, we're open to any ideas you have. We can start. We'll let you start on the west coast of Florida and see what you can do to get membership. We'll, we'll get, you, you, you'll, you'll be our fledgling startup. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll pretend like you got your own division of CRA over there, and we see what you can. Uh, how many members you can rack up with your marketing? Do you want to? You want a better sign ten dollar bill? Army. Would you like to better sign ten dollar bill? How many people would you like me to sign up for the CRA for? Or just for me? Yeah, let's see what you can do. Listen, let's come up. Let's come. Let, why yeah. you're, you're a marketing genius. Why don't you come up uh, with a model? Uh, let's try that model uh, in your area. You have a huge fan base. You got this show. You have many retail stores. Why don't we try this model under the eight model and see how it works? And let's give it a test of three months, six months, whatever. And if that works, we'll roll it out in the national campaign. It's 5,000 people from myself and I think 5,000. If you get 5,000 uh, as powerful as you as a marketing genius, then that's very, very scary what the other mom and pop stores might get five. And that still puts us again at that 25,000 number instead of no, 50,000. Listen to me. You, you and a lot of you guys have a better and bigger following than I do. What I'm saying is if I can motivate 5,000 people to sign up using my personal code, I'll pick something out with that. Is that an acceptable goal for you? That would be a very acceptable goal, absolutely. Okay. And then and then Rocky, you'll do a you'll do a signed ten dollar bill for Abe. That's what he's asking. He does when he does bets, he does sign ten dollar bills. Absolutely I'll I'll be happy to do that. You can't hear me because Paul's dog is barking. That's not my dog, actually. It's not here. I don't know whose dog that is. It might be Adams. I think it's a dog. I think it's a dog that's on the other side of the fence. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Adam, you can you can mute your microphone while it's barking on your own on Skype. I can't mute you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so hang on, let me go yell at the dog. Abe, do you think it's do you think it was a lack of sense of urgency? So before I started working with KMA, I, I was a cigar smoker. Um, I, I'm not anywhere near as big as I am now, obviously since I've gotten more involved in the industry. But I, I mean, I guess maybe I had heard 
about things going on where they were trying to take away rights for cigar smokers. But do you think that the average cigar smoker knows about the sense of urgency? I think that might be what the messaging is lacking. <coughs> Excuse me. Is is a sense no. of urgency. No. No. You know what I'm... Let me tell you why. You can't express a sense of urgency. You're putting them to sleep before you even get to that point. Right? You have to connect the people emotionally. They tried to use data to beat them down. This is what the government's going to do. This is what you're going to lose. That doesn't connect emotionally, right? It, it's got to be a quick marketing thing about protecting what they love. It's simple. You don't need to beat them up with all the data and the concern. And I, I'm watch. I'm going to get you 5,000 people. I'm going to get you 5,000 people. What are we putting the time frame on this? Six months? Three months? No, three months is fine. If I can't do it in three months, it's not going to happen. All right, okay. so Abe, so this is on record. Three months from today. No, 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 no. Three months from away. Yeah, because I'm very limited to how I can work now. I got guys, no video people. I got nothing to do. So it's three months when I get the campaign going. Did you hear that, Paul? Yes, three months from when you get the campaign going, you're going to. We're gonna. I'm sorry. From when you start the campaign, so so that Rocky has the data, we'll 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 tell you, Rocky, when when Abe has started the campaign, and three months from that date, he's gonna get five thousand people. If he gets five thousand people, you'll give him a signed ten dollar bill that says, "Abe, I was wrong. You were right," and vice versa. If he doesn't get it, absolutely, I'd be happy to. Do if I get then we're going to hire Abe as our national director <laughs> of membership for the CRA. I was just going to say, this sounded like a job offer here, Abe. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Abe, I, I, I yeah. tried texting you, but take your headphones off and just use your, your Mac microphone. It'll be better than, than what we're hearing now. All right, hang on. Yeah. You're the one who told me... Yeah, that's that's bad. So I guess I don't have to say you were right. I was right, and the beats were no the power were no better. So I can take that back now. You weren't right. <laughs> uh, you sound much better now. Hey, Kurt, how about my Kurt Kendall here throwing in twenty five hundred cigars for me? Help me make that happen. Five thousand in my sleep. <laughs> you got all the connections. You're the master. <laughs> I wish we had more people like you. That's the problem. Again, the 80-20 rule is like the 90-10 rule. We just need another 10 Abes. <laughs> if we had another 10 Abes, Adam would probably not be able to survive. <laughs> uh, probably not. Hey, listen. If we had 10 Abes, I'd sacrifice one of them and just... You know, I'm going to jail and put Adam out of his misery. <laughs> oh, man. That, that was the other thing I was going to say. Somebody would find me in front of a bus if we had 10 eggs. <laughs> we could sacrifice one then. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rocky, one other thing so we Rocky, wanted to talk... Oh, go ahead, Abe. Go ahead. No, no, you got it. You got it, Paul. Go ahead. We, one other thing we wanted to talk to you about was the, the PCA and the, and the consumer event and, uh, and what's going on now, obviously, with, with COVID that uh, you know we're going to have to postpone the uh the date of the of the trade show as well but um you guys were pretty heavily involved with uh the idea of consumer day right yeah listen we were trying to figure out <clears throat> this show needs some excitement right it need people need to understand that 
it's important to attend the the, pre, the PCA show. If, if you're an important person in the industry, or if you even are any, a retailer in the industry, it's significant to attend the show for several reasons. First and foremost, this entire industry is based on relationships. And it's the opportunity where you get to meet your, your, your fellow manufacturers, you get to meet your fellow retailers, uh, you can talk about uh, ideas and exchange ideas about how to make your retail store better, see what people are doing like Abe and, and, and Jeff and, 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 and a lot of David Garofalo and a lot of good retailers who have some great ideas on how to promote events. A lot of retailers have great ideas on sales and marketing, POS systems. So it gives you an opportunity to learn. Then you also learn what's going on on the federal and state level, and especially on the state level. There is a lot of legislation moving on a weekly basis that can highly impact the future of your store, whether it's taxation, non-smoking issues, the type of products you can sell. There's a big ban going on right now where they're trying to mask under the flavored cigars, cigars that it would affect 80% of cigars that Abe sells. Basically, if you have a flavor, if you talk about a cigar and say that has notes of caramel and coffee and espresso, even though it's not flavored, the legislation, the way it's written, it would not allow Abe to sell 80 or 90% of his cigars because if you describe a cigar a certain way, that's how the law is made. So these are the type of issues you learn about. You also learn about all the new products that are coming out. And at the end of the day, all that money that's spent on the trade show goes towards protecting your retail store, goes towards protecting the industry. It goes towards paying for the lawsuit. Fifty percent of these 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 legal fees, six million dollars, have been paid by the PCA that helps protect our industry along with the CRA. So it's important to participate in the show. So now how do we get the show more exciting? Besides giving deals at the show, besides telling people that we're only going to introduce cigars that for people that come to the show, I thought when you have big events like the Big Smoke, like Abe's great, great event that he does, you know, they're hungry. They're hungry for knowledge. They're hungry to meet the manufacturers. They're hungry to learn about products. So this gives them an opportunity where all the manufacturers have their beautiful boots, they have all their new products, and these boots are amazing. It's not like a 10 by 10 as many of these are. They're just beautiful. They get the opportunity to come into the show. They get they, they can be they can come in with their participating retailers. They're not gonna get a ton of free cigars. That was not the goal here. They might have get a, a small goodie bag, not anything crazy, but now they get an opportunity to meet all the different manufacturers, spend time with them, learn about their products, see, see, showcase all their stuff. I, I, I think it just brings, and, and they're there with the retailers, I think it just brings a, a, an edge, a fun atmosphere. It, it's healthy for the industry to do something cool, to get them involved. And I thought that would have been a good thing for PCA. So I was kind of a big supporter of the consumer show. I think it would have been healthy and more exciting, invigorating, and, and brought some new excitement to the show. You know, you know, I was staunchly like thought it was a terrible idea, right? You thought it was a terrible idea? I was a strong proponent on how bad of an idea it was. Yeah, well, I'm sure you were because you. I don't know why, but I'm sure you thought it might affect your show or something else. But not I think no, 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 not at all. In fact, it had nothing to do with me or my event because 
I got an event right here in Miami for the last two years that doesn't affect my event. Why am I worried about one that happens alone? Well, well, I'm curious to think why you thought it was a bad idea. Okay, because one is I better understand the logistics of an event like this. Okay, and logistics-wise, and I could go through the list. It, 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 we've talked about this many times on the show, so I, I don't want to go over. It, but he, he, let me just summarize it: too many moving parts, too many uncontrollable people. Okay, events like these only become successful when they're done very, very, very well, especially the first one. You have a bad one; it's all downhill from there. The format in which they discussed giving out cigars didn't make sense because you'd have guys like Padron, you'd have the same 10 manufacturers giving out thousands of cigars every year while all these other guys didn't give out anything, okay? Secondly, it's not experience-driven. The all the trade show floor is good for about 10 minutes. The footprint's too big, right? And let me just ask you something. If you wanted to be creative, because I consider myself a creative guy, right? If I wanted to do something very special where I have everybody tied up in one location from the industry at one time, why would I try to do something that every Tom, Dick, and Harry is already doing across the country? Because at the end of the day, they're going to compare that event to every other guy who does events like me or whatever. And it's not creating anything new or exciting. And the trade show floor itself is new and exciting for about 10 minutes. So, so, so let me tell you why you're wrong on all four fronts. Okay. First of all, they went out and hired probably the most professional company uh, that logistically that puts on events. This company actually, and I forget all the events, but they were comparable like the, the Indy 500. Uh, they're comparable to the Kentucky Derby. They mm-hmm. put on massive logistically planned events. Sophisticated. Okay. They totally understand that's, that's all they do. That's number one. Number two, uh, it was not about the same companies giving out cigars because what was going to happen is that the cigars were going to go randomly into bags, okay? So there was going to be a mix of random cigars between a a few big manufacturers, small manufacturers, and and so it was randomly where people are going to get a mix of different cigars. This is The experience is not coming. You're not coming there because you're going to get a lottery of cigars like the Big Smoke. You're not going to get... 40 cigars you might have gotten 10 cigars random depending on what you end up getting that's what you get that that's not what the purpose of this is secondly uh you can't go to that show in 10 minutes especially if you come to my booth and you're going to get a chance to talk to me the finish you're going to see all our different products many of the people that come the consumers whether they come from boston whether they come from la new york they have a relationship with our salespeople. They're going to meet with the salespeople. They're going to hang out with the salespeople. They're going to ask questions. So this is going to be not like the big smoke where you just stand in line and all of a sudden you get a cigar and you get a handshake and a quick picture. This is where you can actually walk around and spend some engaged time there. There were going to be special bars set up. There was going to be special... Pre- all right, pre- all right hold, uh, on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me just stop. There, there was stop. a lot of thought. There was a no, lot no, of I understand. Look, look this stuff. I, I with, get with it. a significant group of manufacturers I get it. that thought this I get through. It. I, the, just let me finish this. Let me just I know, but it's thing. taking I off. think the messaging that was sent out to all of you, you thought we were a bunch of putzes that just came up with this idea, drew up a consumer show, and it was going to be a, a horse's ass show. It was, there was a lot of thought and planning that okay. went into this. So, unfortunately, that pitch never reached all of you. So nobody could make a wise decision on whether this was a good or bad idea. Okay, so let me dial this back because right now what we're going to end up debating is the viability of the show. I'm not saying a lot of thought or effort came into it, but obviously 
I don't agree with the viability and how exciting it is, you feel about it as a consumer. So let's not get into that debate because that doesn't go anywhere because it's, it's, it's all based on just we don't know. The event doesn't happen, so you can't say. Every major event puts a lot of thought and planning into it. doesn't mean it's successful. If people don't get into it or feel the value or want to come out, it's not that successful. So, Absolutely. So, so, but let me just tell you this. So let's go to the core essence of the reasoning of doing an event like this, right? And you can correct me if assumptions wrong because I haven't been involved in the back, work, the back room workings of our industry for a while now. But my belief would be the core assumption in this is to try to revitalize a declining show. Right, to get more people excited about coming to the trade show, or no? Well, it's strictly about, that, it's that was, about raising money. That, that, that was part of the reasoning. I think the declining show is a phenomenon that is going on worldwide as the internet and people are buying on the internet. If you see the watch show, which was the most famous show in Brazil, that show is basically done and, and canceled, right? Most of, most of the watch companies no longer go to Basel. So this is something that's happening across all industries. So what I'm saying is there's a number of things that are relevant here. First, I think more people would come to the show if um, most companies would not sell product unless they came to the show or didn't give them the discounts or didn't introduce the new products. That's the number one thing. Right. You and I are totally, totally agreed on that. Yeah. Totally agreed so, on that. So part of the reason here why we wanted the consumer show, from my perspective, and I'm not going to speak for everybody else, I thought that if we can engage the consumer and show them that we're, we're releasing all these new brands and products and how passionate we are, how cool they are, they would get so excited to come back to your shop a week later and, or two weeks later and look for these products from all these boutique manufacturers from all these man you'd be excited you'd have knowledge about it and you'd be excited to purchase those products they also want an opportunity to meet people and, let and me address really these one at a time as you bring them up so what, i just don't want a long list so i, I want to talk about point by point when you bring it up so on that note that might have been true 10 years ago the problem is today everybody knows what's before I do, Snoop is on everybody's show. Every new brand, every new release, you're sending a press release out. To know what's going on in the trade show right now is irrelevant anymore. Fifteen years ago, it was like the the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Those days are over. Every, I'm literally telling you, the consumer base half the time knows what's going on before I do, and I'm in the industry. The news gets out so fast, so that part of it doesn't hold as much water as maybe it would 10 years ago. The excitement of, they're all there. There's eight guys walking around with video cameras talking to everybody every five minutes. So literally everybody in the country is literally at the trade show all week if you're into cigars and you're a cigar geek. So that part of it, meh, not as exciting to me. I think that the consumer, if they get the opportunity to see our industry in a different light, that light being having these beautiful boots. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people have everything from videos to, you, you can, if you walk into the Fuente booth, you see the family heritage, you see all the stuff you never have, the, a consumer never has the opportunity 
to see a booth like that, to see their tradition, to see their history. There's a lot of stuff. You come into our booth. There's a lot of stuff that you'll never see at a big smoke or at your show. There's stuff that, and, and it's stuff that we should be proud of as an industry, of the artisan products we make, the quality stuff that we do. You should be proud to showcase that legacy and that history and to showcase these beautiful books, uh, booths, and the way the product is highlighted. We need to do a better job of, of, of showcasing the beauty and artisan quality of our industry. And I think the consumer never gets to participate in that. Instead of a 10 by 10 booth with a little sign hanging back there, that's not who we are. We're a classy artisan industry with a lot of heritage. It's like taking our boxes and making them look like pieces of crap. That's why we make the boxes look beautiful. And that's what that show does. It highlights the artisan quality of our industry in such a way that I think is magnificent. And we spend a ton of money to do it. If we can show it to the retailer and we do it for the same retailer that comes year in and year out, the same 20%, why can't we do it for the consumer? Because they're the ultimate one we want to showcase it to. I, I understand, but we're going down the thing of debating whether it's actually a, 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 something that's going to draw people or not. My point being is, look, I, I, I've been a proponent for doing something extraordinary and special because I believe the trade show needs you need to create another reason for retailers to go there because like this, what you're talking about, I already don't want to go to the trade show. This, honestly, for me, a lot of retailers I talk to is even more of a reason not to go to the trade show. So my point was and why I was against it in a philosophical thing, forget about whether or not you think it's going to be a great event or not, is it doesn't answer, it doesn't solve the problem of making a better show. Right. It doesn't solve I, agree with, I agree with you there, Ray. There, there's, listen, there is no magic wand that I can wave to fix it. If it was, we could have all done this. Everybody's got ideas. Nobody's got the solution on this no, no. issue. But I'll I tell you the most important thing why you need to go to the show. And that, so as I pointed out, $6 million later in litigation, $4 million later in lobbying, $10 million. Where do you think that money comes from? Where do you guys think the money comes from to allow you to sit back and promote and protect the industry? Right now, the industry would be wiped out if the FDA had its way. Wiped out. Wiped out. 80% would have been gone. Trust me on this. And Hold so on. That money, a lot of that money comes from the trade show and people participating at the trade show. Right. And there's a lot of fresh ideas. And, you know, at the end of the day, you got to have some sort of camaraderie and participate and get people you're, there. You're talking, you, I don't know what you're talking about. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not a big proponent of going to the trade show. I'm not a big proponent of going to TAA. Yet how many trade show and TAA orders do you get from me? I spend, yeah, we get the I orders, but there's it. a different... The money's collected for exhibitor badges. The money's collected from the profit of the trade show. I think, I, I want to say without going on a limb, I think it's a million and a half bucks or something that they make, right? A lot of that money goes towards fighting and helping. Listen, they, they've collected money over decades, right? And that, that money that sits in a reserve pool has really helped us fund this litigation. We would not have the money for it. We could not have afforded my, these attorneys. But my presence doesn't increase that fund. Equivalence. What's that? But, but my presence doesn't increase that fund. My presence increased the hotel fund and the restaurant in Vegas. My pre I pay my dues. I support the manufacturers. I place my trade show orders. I place my what does my presence there have to do with increasing that fund? Because when you buy when you register when you register there, okay, when you actually stay at the hotel rooms, when you're part, part of the show, 
the total general revenue from that show from being there. It has nothing to do whether you buy $1 or $10 million worth of product. It's the fact that you registered there to be an exhibitor or to be a retailer and to participate in that show. All the monies raised from that trade show go into a fund that the PCA has. And that reserve over time has been several millions of dollars, which we've been able to tap into to fund this legislation and regulation and, and, and legal battle. So those monies are where the monies come from. They don't come from anything. They come from you joining the association, and most of the profit is made from the trade show. That's where the money comes from to fight all these battles. But, and without that, there would be no monies, and they'd be dried up. But, but Rocky, you said the, a lot of the money comes from the registration. When I read, when I pay the dues, I already get my registration, my registration. So I'm not giving any extra money in no, registration. You don't, you don't, you don't get your registration when you pay your dues. There's a big difference. No, once I once I pay dues. my dues, I get three, I get three passes. Yeah, your your dues come with three passes. There's yeah. no way to register. Well, guess what? Then all the people that pay their dues. We need more people paying their dues because there's obviously not enough people paying their dues and signing up for the PCA. Okay. So, which which goes back which goes back to my original argument: right. the PCA has to find something to want to bring more retailers there. But let Focus. me tell you where they make the most money, Abe. They make the most money from collecting the revenue from the manufacturers who buy the boots. So you know, I've got 40 boot spaces or 50 boot spaces. Money raised from that. That makes up most of the revenue. So the manufacturers right. obviously and can't afford me. to have these boots if the retailers don't show. Uh, now that's why your participation but, is important. But but for guys like me who pay the dues and I still placing orders with you, I'm basically essentially supporting your presence at the, at the trade show without being there. My point is, look, a lot of times we don't know what the problem is that we're trying to solve. problem is to get more retailers physically there, right? You want right. me... Physically there. You want me to leave my wife and kids or bring my wife and leave my kids for five days and sit on 12 hours on an airplane, right? You got to get me to physically come there. And this consumer show wasn't going to make me physically come there and a lot of other retailers if you come there. This group has to sit down and really figure out what they got to do to get people to physically want to be there that will help change the show. Because if I'm there for something else, if you guys create something that makes me say, man, I can't wait till this year's thing in Vegas, I want to go, I'm going to go there and be in the trade show anyway because I'm already going to Vegas. Well, they I, never I, I understand where you're, together. I understand where you're coming from, Abe, but I don't think that there's one magical solution, okay? The consumer show was not supposed to be the sole reason for people to come. It was just an added benefit to bring consumers in to excite them. Nobody, nobody has the solution to this puzzle. We've sat down with the major manufacturers, the big companies that wanted to join and collaborate, and we sat in a room and they talked about 100 ideas that are bad about the PCA. So then I finally raised my hand after they kind of had this chalkboard and they wrote down 100 bad ideas. Okay, I said, that's great. We all know what the problems are. Anybody have five ideas or 10 ideas or even one idea that can fix this problem and get more people to attend? Zero. Nobody. I've yet to hear, and we've all sat down, all of us, manufacturers, retailers, boards, all the different, nobody has a solution. Now, better than that $10 bill, 
I'll send you $110 bills if you can give me the solution that can fix the trade show to get more retailers there. Okay. All right. We'll take, that, we'll, we'll take that to the drawing board. Yeah. See if we can go from there. So, Rocky, are you guys still planning on pushing out all the new, re new releases you were going to launch at the trade show at the same timelines? Or have you pushed things back now that the factory... No, I mean, listen, out? so it's going to be interesting. The cigars have all been rolled, right? They've all been rolled, and they're just sitting there aging. So we really had three new releases we had. Uh, this is our 25th year in the business. I can't believe it. I thought you used to be the young buck. I'm going to be the old man now in the business. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, we're coming out with a cigar called the Quarter Century... Again, it's a it's it's one of those cigars that's been aged for two years after it's rolled. Excited about that. Hamlet has a cigar coming out called the 2020. And then finally, by popular demand and a lot of requests, we're reintroducing our winter collection, which we get more emails about and more requests for. So those are the three cigars. So uh, the cigars are made. Unfortunately, the boxes have not been made. The box factories are closed. The factories are closed. Uh, so I don't know when we'll get those boxes. I don't know when we're going to open up. Uh, our goal was to have them at the trade show. So we're hoping that we can get them and introduce them sometime in July. That's our plan. Okay, as long as you're still looking at a July shoot to try and get things moved out and moved on. But, hey, who knows what's going to happen after that, right? That's correct, yeah. Hey, Rob, let me ask you a question because, I, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I don't know if people misunderstand me sometimes. Um, any of my criticisms or my comments regarding the, the, I mean, I still want to call it the RTDA, you know, the PCA, <laughs> the PCA or the trade show. It's only because I'm really endeared to the organization. I believe the organization is important, you know, and I believe our industry needs it, but I just don't believe in some of the stuff they've done over the years and I don't agree with, let's put it that way. But let me ask you a question that's long kind of been on my head because you're a very strong member in both the TAA and the CA. Do you feel at some point, because this has been an argument that I've been listening to for years, do you feel they are in a conflict of interest? Do you feel that TAA is in fact PCA, which is an argument I perpetually hear from people? Well, you know, listen, there, there there's a school of thought that people buy products at the TA that prohibits them from buying enough at the PCA show. Um, the reality of the situation is it's probably some truth to it. I think that the shows need to be further apart. They're a little too close together. Uh, I think that, you know, personally, if I had my choice, I would rather have the PCA, our big trade show, early in the year. I'd rather have it in February or March because that allows us to introduce our new products to the consumers. It allows us to be able to work on these products during the slower periods, which is right around Christmas and after Christmas when things are traditionally slow in the factories. And it gives us three, four more cycles to sell through the product. Right now, one of the reasons you don't get a lot of attendance is hot as hell in Vegas, right? Uh, People, their kids are on summer vacation. Uh, people are traveling if they have children or doing stuff with their kids. I think in the winter, people are itching to get out of the wintry snow and go to a weather, a, a, a good climate. So 
I, I think it gives the manufacturers and the retailers a chance to sell through more of the product. Right now, by the time you get most of the product from the companies, is usually August, September, October. By then, you get one cycle and Christmas, and that's about all you get to sell through. And then you get the dead weight. Now, you're in Florida, so we have season here in the winter, but the rest of the country is under snow and in the cold, and the retail business is dying. So there are several reasons why the show ought to be moved up out. The, 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 the negative side with that is the cost. The cost of having the show early in the uh, early in the year is 30 or 40 percent higher, from what I've heard. So the cost is higher. Um, so the, all these things are have been up for discussion. We talk about them at the board meetings and the TA. I mean, yes, I like the camaraderie. The TA. I like the fact that the TA is actually turned into a good buying machine. Uh, if we can spread it out where they're not on top of each other, then it'll probably be helpful for the industry. I don't know if it's the current situation, but I know there are times, I think even when I was on the board of the, at that time, IPCPR, that a lot of times you have current board members that sit on both the TAA and the BCA. It's a conflict of interest. It could be. I mean, they're two separate organizations. Listen, you know, they're trying to they're trying to spread that out so it doesn't happen. Unfortunately, the talent pool is limited. We need a hundred more aides out there, and we <laughs> and that's the problem. There's not enough people willing to put in the time. There's a lot of time that these people put in voluntarily. It's a ton, ton of time on conference calls, and it's not you know. So it's the time. It's people that are smart enough to understand the industry and be bright enough to be able to run these organizations. So it's limited the pool of people that we have that are willing to participate and participate properly. Now, is there a way that we can improve that pool or try and get some of these guys who are probably up and coming or, you know, are, you know, some of these smarter guys out there who don't, haven't participated in the past? What can we do to get them to be involved? Well, that's what we've been trying to do is, you know, we've been reaching out to some of the younger retailers, some of the retailers that have really kind of led the way with fresh, innovative ideas. Uh, they're cutting edge. They're bright. So we're trying to mix up the talent pool. Listen, it's not up to me. Uh, they, they certainly pick on it, but we certainly give them a lot of insight. And I think they're trying to make it fresh, and they brought in fresh people. There's younger people on both boards. Uh, so they're working on that. You know, they're working on that. I can tell you that. I will tell you that both organizations over the last 10 to 15 years, from a scale of 1 to 10, they used to be a 2, have advanced to at least an 8 or a 9. I mean, they are doing a, a, a much better job. They're doing a much better job, not only with lobbying and litigation, but they're, they're really working hard to come up with a magical idea to improve this industry. And unfortunately, uh, you know, what's happening with the Internet, we see that across all all consumer products it's having a great impact on the mom and pop stores uh you know it's uh the big box manufacturers all of that has a big impact you know you're seeing these super stores open up all over now from ci and others so all that's having an impact on, on, on the mom and pop retailer and we've got to be cognizant to support the mom and pop retailers uh at the end of the day if you're getting the great service and you're getting all the things that Abe provides and you know, why wouldn't you shop there? And that's why it's an important thing to go to these events, to get the education. Listen, if I was opening a pizzeria, I'd want to open right across from my best and best competitor, see what he's doing, and just do it better. 
better product, better service, better value. And Papa so, John's. You know, that's what you got to learn. Is, you know, I would want to be, I would want to suck as much knowledge from Abe as I could. I would want to suck as much knowledge from Jeff Borshowitz or Dave Garofalo if I was a retailer. And that's why it's important to attend these events so you can be around them and learn from them. Feed them a couple of scotches and get as much knowledge as you can. You give a couple of these guys a couple of scotches, they'll tell you everything. It did sound like a Papa John's commercial, didn't it? It did, yes. <laughs> I keep seeing Paul laughing with no sound. <laughs> it's throwing me off. Paul's yeah, on mute. It's because Steph's inflating the pool behind him, and he doesn't want us to hear that. <laughs> well, and my and my neighbor has decided to uh, start his his home improvements right in the middle of the show as well. <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to listen to what Rocky's saying because it's 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 good hearing it directly from you, Rocky, because you know we we hear a lot of this stuff through the grapevine and and people will say what you say but not necessarily we haven't heard it directly from you so it's good to get the viewpoint from from you directly especially since you're so actively involved especially in the fda and the pca you know it's and i think it's good for consumers too to see somebody with a with a brand like yours actually you know talking about what you're actually doing instead of hearing hate hearsay yeah, actually hearing it from your mouth, like what you're actually doing. And, you know, we've heard from a lot of guys in the industry how much time you spend in D.C. I mean, Glenn, Glenn Loop talks about it all the time, that, that you're just always there. So, and, and I know the, the people in the industry appreciate how much time and effort you've put in there. Uh, and and kind of see your viewpoint, though, that, you know, everybody has to get involved. But now that Abe's going to get 5,000 members to the CRA... Hopefully, we'll get more mm -hmm. consumer involvement. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, Five thousand times a hundred—that's what we really need. But listen, it's—it's uh, it's not by choice. I've been so involved. It's simply out of fear. Uh, I'd much rather be doing something else. Uh, you know, I had no idea how to meet a congressman and senator when I started all this nonsense. But it's simply out of fear, and and I just see that if you allow the government and give them a little bit and, and they want so much and they want to basically they want to turn this into de facto prohibition and and if you open up that pandora's box and you get a different administration this could be a nightmare i've seen it happen in canada i've seen it happen in europe i've seen it happen in australia plain packaging has come to those countries hi cutie um, so I've seen them come in. I've seen them have The health groups have a lot of money. If you don't think that the American Cancer Society, the kids, the American Lung Association, these people have endless amounts of money to lobby, and they want to wipe out tobacco from the face of the planet. And they don't distinguish between premium cigars and cigarettes and roll your own and smokeless. They just don't. They lump it all together. That's the agenda. And they're after with a broad, broad paint, paintbrush. Are you buying Am I what? Buying airport. No, I'm not. But somebody else over there, oh. maybe its neighbor just bought it's an airport. Bad, man. Planes have been going by. Like, you don't know. Yeah, I can't hear the planes. <laughs> uh, I, I just heard it now. I just saw it. I was like, anybody else hear that? Okay, yeah. So I heard he's gone now. Listen, Rocky, what I want you to remember is this when this happens, right? It's not so much that it's only 5,000 people that I get. It's how easily I'll get the 5,000 people. And the point is that if I can easily get 5,000 people. There are a 100 of us in this industry that can easily get 5,000 people. 
That's the point. I'm going to make you the rallying cry, and you're going to be the professor. <laughs> the professor of love and passion. <laughs> We're going to make you the professor, and the professor is then going to teach all his fellow retailers how to implement these tactics to bring love back into the industry. It's not just retailers. It's everybody. You could get 5,000 people like that. It's just connecting and getting the message across. Because I could be wrong. Let's hope I'm right. It'll be the best $10 you ever lost. All right. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see. All right. What else? I'm tired of talking about politics. And, uh, what Amen. Else can we talk about? What else can we talk about? How, Did you watch Tiger King? Huh? Have you watched the Tiger King? No, I haven't. I've heard about it, but I've Neither not. Have I. Neither have I. Has any of you guys seen it yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, Adam and it's I great. both. Oh, is yeah. it a it, movie or is it a TV show? It's a documentary. It's a six-part documentary series on Netflix. Everybody's talking about it. Can you it. tell us what it's about? What's the premise? It's, it's basically these people that own large cats or have uh, tiger farms, basically, where they bring people in. And they can look at the tigers, and these guys play with the tigers, and they're obsessed with tigers. And they've got this one guy had 280 tigers on his property in Oklahoma, and the guy is a nut job, an That's absolute insane. nut job. Yeah. Because I just got so ironic. You mentioned this because three weeks ago, uh, or four weeks ago, I was at a tiger resort in India. I mean, a real tiger resort. Oh yeah. Wow. We just heard that one of the tigers had killed two people. Uh, you know, what happens typically is these poor villagers go out looking for firewood. And when they bent over picking up firewood, the tigers attacked them. And somebody just sent me two videos of this guy being mauled with a hundred villagers throwing firecrackers and rocks and everything to get this. I'll send this to you, Abe. This is unbelievable. And these three tigers are running around and they just mauled like two, three people and killed them. So. Uh, it's nuts, this tiger farm. They've not seen real tigers because they're quite dangerous. Oh yeah, I mean that's that, but that's the allure to people, you know. In this, in this show, they have people of all different facets of life. So some are super wealthy people that there's kind of nothing else to do, so they want to do the most extreme thing and have a pet tiger. And then there's just people that are obsessed with, you know, that that don't have a lot of money but open zoos so that they can have they can feed their obsession of having all these tigers. A lot of them are former addicts or or current addicts, right Adam? It's a great show. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. There is a lot of drug use especially at the Oklahoma place and it was yeah. Even if you just look at a photo of the guy you're like, "Wow, this guy exists in the world?" So Rocky, there was one there was one other question we had the other night when we came on to do a test broadcast for this. And I figure, you know, you being a prominent figure in the industry, you might you might have a better handle on this than any of us did. Depending on how long this whole thing lasts, where we're, you know, we're all stuck at home. In Florida now, we have a mandatory stay at home. In New York, they do. In, in uh, Washington and, and a couple of other states. So as, depending on how long this lasts, is there a real fear of there being any kind of shortage on product once we get back to a new normal so, you know, that's a, good, a really interesting question. So we I've always been a big fan of carrying inventory. Um, I, nothing drives me more. I don't go bad here not having product to, to sell, right? Now, there are times we stop production on many brands because we're out of a particular leaf. We've done that on Decade on Edge. Most recently, 
We didn't have the broadleaf wrapper, which is very, very hard to get in the industry. So the sun grown Maduro, we stopped production for six months and didn't have it and finally got some in. So we actually have about six months of inventory, uh, eight months on other products, but typically an average of six months of product uh, inventory in our warehouse. I have significant amount of cigars aging, like I mentioned in our humidors. Uh, the problem becomes with packaging, right? The box factories are closed. Uh, the printers are closed. Uh, if people are not there to box things up, then that becomes a problem. But with our ongoing, with our ongoing brands, I think we're going to be fine for six months. Right? I would hope that this pandemic is done by then. You know, so hopefully we can we can we can make it through that. Well, so that'll put some of the uh, some of the consumers at ease that were asking that. Six months seems like a, a crazy amount of time, but all of this, I didn't think it would get this far. I think when we first started talking about it, I think we, I think we're at least in this for three months. It's it's a new normal for sure. That's a reasonable timeline. You could definitely go with that. Absolutely, nothing, nothing that we've ever experienced in our lifetime ever. Yeah. Uh, Abe, I have a question for you from uh, oh. from Alan Rubin. Uh, Wait, is this Alan Rubin? This is the real Alan Rubin. He just texted okay. me. Uh, yeah. I just want to pre-read it. Okay, so Alan wants to know, because you made this bet with, with Rocky to get 5,000 members, he said, do you really think Abe can get 5,000 members without giving away cigars with the membership? I think not. What do you have to say about that? Wait, 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 wait. It's the normal CRA thing you get the normal cigars that come away with your membership i'm i'm selling i'm already i'm only going to sell what the cra is already selling okay yeah well that's been one of our challenges abe right so by the time we give away free cigars or we do these packs that's the problem we can't get people to join unless we give something away and at the end of the day we really don't end up raising any money for the organization by the time we're done and i think that's what alan is alluding to that everything we have to really give away the house to get membership. People voluntarily are not joining for the good of the purpose of the industry. Listen to me, I understand. Okay, I, I, but I'm, I'm already. I'm only going to sell what they're already selling. They get a pack with the membership. You're not going to make them not take a pack that you're offering for me to sign people up. That means. But the point of the being is, is that instead of funding the organization you guys could be donating cigars they use to help to raise the membership and that way you guys don't need to be making donations consumer base you know in the organization how many people are in the nra does anybody know but we can look it up They made 15,000 packs of some ungodly number, and 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 we donated all those cigars. So my point, again, being in Alan's point, is that unless we just give away money, and again, it's more money out of our pockets besides the money already put into the organizations. It's if we don't give away money, we don't give away cigars. We can't get memberships. Consumers are not joining. They, they're not doing it from the goodness of the heart to protect their right to enjoy cigars. So unless they're getting something of value for free, which is costing us money, they're not joining. That's been the problem. 
I understand. What I was saying is that if you're giving the cigars away and not also having to financially contribute into the organization, which is basically double dipping, it would make more logical sense. You're giving cigars away and you're writing checks, yes? Correct. Okay. And, that, and, the, and the amount of money that we're burning through, which is, we, I would say, on a budget, we need to raise $3 million a year. I, show me and come up with a model how you can get net $3 million into the organization through the consumers. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm, I don't run the CRA. I'm not involved. I mean, we, we show you. I mean, well, we, we, we might need you to run it. No, no. The NRA has five million members, Abe. As of 2018. Yeah, they didn't. I couldn't find a more updated number than five million from 2018. All right. Well, then a quarter million would be for the CRA. Yeah. Why not? There's that many cigar smokers listen, in the world. Glenn has tried ideas. We're, we're tight with the NRA folks. We've talked to their membership folks. We've taken ideas from them. We've tried to implement them. But, uh, you know, that's a very, very strong, powerful uh, group. And uh, I don't know why we, seem, we can't seem to get our folks that interested. How cute. Got a little. Is that your new little baby? Yes, it is. Paul, oh, you're, you're muted. I mute your phone. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. I was muting it because I needed to hold him for a minute. <laughs> but yeah, this is the new yeah. baby. It's a he. This is Elias. Make it his television debut. Very cute. Very cute. Very cute. I didn't mean to interrupt. You've got your hairline already. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing good. We just And we brought him home during this whole thing, you know, it, which was a... Another experience that we talked about the other night, going into a hospital right now is the last thing you want to do. And it was uh, it was surreal. I, I couldn't Perfect. leave once I was there. And then if I needed to leave the room, they put put me up in garb. I mean, I, I got had rubber gloves, a mask, everything, protective gear to just leave. And, and in the hospital we were in, they only had three COVID cases. But they're expecting many, many more uh, in the coming weeks. They have an outside triage uh, set up as many hospitals do here in Florida, where they have tents oh, set up. I'm sure, I'm sure, it's pretty scary. I have a very dear friend of mine. She's an ER doctor, and you know the stuff she goes through, and they're so ill prepared. They don't have enough gowns. They don't have enough masks. They have to reuse and recirculate the mask. Terrible, what's going on? Not the best. Not the best at all, and it's only going to get worse from here. But hey, let's all move on to more fun and exciting projects. So how many events, because of this, did you have to cancel, or how much travel did you have to cancel? Well, a significant amount. I mean, we were supposed to go to Cabo San Lucas for the TA show. Right. Uh, this big event I do in Austria called the Fire on Mountain. I probably had another 15, 20 other events that uh, we were supposed to attend that I've canceled. So I literally haven't gone anywhere. I mean, uh, I think this is uh, uh, all week long. I've been doing one show per week. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, kind of involved with that a little bit uh so that's kind of keeping me occupied but yeah this is the new norm our abe are your stores open no no they're closed are you not doing curbside delivery nothing none of that Brock, this, this has been an argument that, that we've been going on right because a couple of my licensees are still doing curbside delivery but you know if i was an if i was owned one store myself and i was working on it i could take on that risk right now this has really affected my family 
especially in Chicago. And, I, and now after the fact, I'm, I'm, I'm more happy with the decision I made. I had an uncle who died last Saturday. I have an uncle and an aunt who are on a respirator, on a ventilator right now in the ER. And my aunt's son is COVID positive, but he's young and they've sent him home. But now I'm worried about my uncle, who's a little bit older and not in great health. I'm telling him, make sure you stay clear of this kid. Put him in a room until he's over it. I mean, it's insanity. So, I mean, look, if, if I, look before we close the shops, and let me tell you something. All our shops were doing great business. I mean, people were buying cigars like for the apocalypse. So it, we were, we were doing the, – the, the cigars that were strongly affected were the bars because we had no light life, right? But my older stores that have lounges without the bars – we're almost doing literally normal or better than normal business. But we went to a, a reduced schedule and then we didn't let consumers sit in the lounge. You would come to the register, tell the clerk what they wanted. The clerk would then go in with gloves, grab the cigars, ring them up at the register and the guy would leave. Well, I mean, that's basically curbside service. What's the difference? Right. So, if I'm going to expose my staff, to, especially here in Florida, there were people still flying in from New York a week ago. You know, so if I'm going to expose my staff to a multitude of people a day, what does it make a difference if it's at the register or at the curb? They're still transacting money, which is filthy. They're still transacting credit cards, which is filthy. So at the end of the day, you know, somebody working for me is not worth getting sick. Well, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out at the other end. Now, I got two guys who do our mail order shipping, who are following a strict protocol. Uh, they, they, they both agreed to go to work and go home. There's no extracurricular stuff. They're, they're staying very safe. They're disinfecting any orders that are coming in immediately before they bring it into the building, wiping it all down, and then you know doing shipping, and they're handling our mail order business, and, and that's how we've been functioning. So people can still order cigars through your website, correct? <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I think we got a Rocky promo going on right now where you were given an additional 20% off of your boxes and you threw an extra, I think, 90 over $90 in free goods. I think that's going on all weekend right now at our website. Oh, cool. So we're trying to keep things active. You know, I mean, I mean, look, you know, we're working on obviously lower margins when we do these 20 or 30% offs and free goods and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's keeping a couple of my guys busy. And um, it... it, it uh, I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. The other day, especially after the news of my uncle and my aunt and everything, I, I talked to the shipping guys and, and really wanted to close down the shipping, which, you know, is unheard of, you know. Um, but they, they literally refused to, and they talked me out of it, and they promised to maintain protocol. I mean, look, I don't blame them. I want to go to work. I'm high risk. I'm, I'm morbidly obese. I've been smoking. I got high blood pressure. I mean, I want to, I want to, I'm ready to go to work. So I don't blame them, but no, they insisted on keeping the protocols and, and keeping busy. And, um, you know, we're just taking it one day at a time. Right now, my focus and my goal is to maintain everybody healthy so that when we come out of the other end, we can figure out how to. So do you, do you, do you, Nimish and Saka have another weight loss challenge coming up this year? Not now. No. Hell no. I think I, gained, I think I gained 10 pounds this yeah, well, I can send you over some food. I'm making a lot of food every day. That's what I'm saying. I saw I a meme the other day. I'm thinking about what I'm going to make for lunch next. You know, I don't know what to do. I mean, I can't go fishing, can't do anything. There's not I much else to do. No. I saw a meme, a meme the other day, right? The, the woman's looking in the fridge. She goes, 
I swear when I opened the door, the fridge said, now what do you want? <laughs> uh, Abe, do you want me to bring Coop on? Is he around? Yeah, bring him on if he's around. Oh, yeah. Hulk Human. One minute. Hold on. We'll talk to Coop and see what's going on in his world. Up in the fine folks at North Carolina who are also going on a uh, stay at home. He's coming. He's coming. We're calling him now. And there we go. There goes your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> I see him running around Here in the he background. Is. <laughs> That's my son. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> hey, Rocky. Hey, everybody. Hey, Coop. How are you, Doing good. Wow, that's the presidential background there. Yeah. Coop, that looks like that looks like a governor's office. That's my office at home. That's the non-smoking office at home. Ah, uh, okay, all right. So, Coop, how do you feel about people in North Carolina? Um, and are all the shops in the Carolinas closed, or what's going yeah. on? You know, it's it's very interesting because it's the the idea of. Um, I guess essential business is in debate. There are some stores that are closed and there are some stores that are open uh, for curbside. Um, I know, for example, Craig Cass's stores are closed. So what I've been trying to do is um, I've been trying to just basically put um, orders in with my retailers um, and I just have them ship them to me. So I said, just mail them to me. Here, here's what I want. Just mail them to me, um, you know, so I can get cigars and obviously help these guys out as well. So what have you seen has been the biggest news piece going on in the last week and a half or so or three weeks basically since we haven't had you on in a while yeah i mean i think the new i mean obviously it's it's covid19 and how it's affecting the industry it's hard not to but one piece and i, I i'm not sure if you guys got into it earlier in the show was it looks like that this if there's lemonade out of lemons right and i, I don't like to say it is that this may result in a delay of the um the may 12th date for substantial equivalence uh filings right. I think we briefly got into it, but I don't, that, I don't think that's been confirmed from any report that I've seen yet to go to September 9th. I don't think it's a final decision yet. I, I do know that the judge basically issued his, his his findings on it, but I believe it has to go to the appeals court. That's the part I'm not 100% sure on yet. I know Rocky, Rocky or Glenn may know more on that than I do. Now, basically, what's happened is that the Judge Grimm in Maryland, he reached out to the the opposition, which is the public health groups, and he gave them uh, a date sometime in April to file opposition papers. The opposition papers, in fact, were filed the day before yesterday by the health groups, and they acquiesced to moving the date to September as long as there are no more delays. So uh, the proofs in the pudding, everybody's agreed, uh, along with the Justice Department, to move the dates, and, and, and the judge now just needs to rubber stamp it, and most likely he will. Right. Right. It's so that, that, yeah. It's amazing these judges are actually working at this moment because half the courts are closed and not even allowing unless there's major things on the dockets. Yeah, they're doing video conferencing calls. I know we have an April 23rd hearing on substantial equivalence in front of Judge Maida in the D.C. Circuit. And uh, he might move the date so that he because he wants oral arguments to be done uh, in his presence. Uh, but if it's not possible then he's going to do it by video conference. Right. Uh, so, Coop, what else have you heard that's going on uh, news-wise? 
Um, you know, obviously, it, it has things have gotten a little quiet. What we did see, and I know Rocky also touched on this earlier with his TAA release, is they did announce the cigars for the TAA. Um, they had a virtual meeting with it. So there's a bunch of companies that have been announced that announced their cigars, including, like I said, Rockies as as well. So those are starting. Those were announced, and some of them are already starting to ship, and some are going to be shipping later. It looks like. Ah, so basically everybody's going to miss their deadlines, or most of the people are going to miss their deadlines because they didn't have the product on the car, on the boat yet or on an air freight. Yeah, or just, you know, I don't, you know logistically, I don't know how some, some of these TAA retailers are shut already, too. So, you know, do you want to, how do you ship if some of these guys aren't, aren't like, operating like normal right now either? Mm-hmm. I mean, because a lot of these, these, in my opinion, a lot of these releases are really ones that, or look very, very nice in a retail humidor, and they showcase nice with their packaging and things like that. So, yeah, you could still sell them, but is it is it the same effect? You know, that's that's a good question there. Absolutely. Uh, so what's the one you're looking most forward to of you seeing of the TAA releases? Because that's the one that's really been coming out as a prevalent thing so far. You know, I look for this may sound like crazy. I look forward to all of them because there's always something interesting with them. So I don't like, uh, you know, you know, this is. I thought the 2020 series was actually a, a good one of the better series that came out right now. Um, definitely, like I said Rockies is intriguing because it's a it's something new. It's as opposed to a line extension, so that always gets your attention there as well. I mean, I think CLEs is the other one I'm looking forward to. It's called the Graduate, and I kind of wonder how that's related to the old diplomas, if if it kind of makes sense with that. Or um, is it? Or is it a? Uh, or is it the Graduate the film? Well, I could be telling you. <laughs> Boy, you, got me. you don't think the TA cigars are overplayed? There's too many of them. Way too many of them. There's way too many. It, it, there's too many of them, and I, I think some companies do a great job. They'll bring their best foot forward, and other ones, I don't know. I just think sometimes I just wonder what they're doing with some of them. Right. Um, but Listen, I, but I, you, yeah, there's 14 it's not, this year. It's, it's a lot. It's not even just the best foot forward. Some of them are actually really, really good cigars. But – they're not doing anything to talk about. They're making them and hoping the TAA moves them to their network. But if the consumers don't get into them, and look, there's been only a couple of really people have been successful, in my opinion. Maybe two. All right. They've been really successful. And I'm not. All right. Thanks. You want to give me a cheese? <laughs> all right. Um, there's only been two companies that have been very, maybe three, have been very, very successful in moving a TAA product. Outside of that, what are you going to do with the other 10? Yeah, I mean, this is what I see is a lot of times these limited releases, a lot of co- that are smaller in scope, the companies don't want to invest marketing dollars in them. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying some of them. And then that kind of gets pushed down to the retailers who I don't think a lot of times, you know, Abe, you're, you, are, you're, you do marketing. I know I get that. But a lot of these guys don't do marketing. So I think sometimes they're a little perplexed on how to move them. And as a result, I just kind of think sometimes these, these cigars, which some of them are very good, are in limbo in a lot of ways. Yeah. Or how much does the consumer really know? And if it's a, such a limited release, why are we going to get the consumer into it? And then it's gone. And if they want it again, it can't have it. Right. Exactly. This, this boils down. This boils down to the same issue I had with the PCA, right? Because whenever you make revenue, your fight, your only factor in how you do something, it usually ends up shooting you in the ass. My, my, my suggestion was a long time ago that the trade show should have limited floor space, right? It makes for a better show. Growing the footprint year after year after year, letting guys sneak its paint to the booth, all it does is just 
make it look like a worse show every every year, even if you have the same number of people, right? It's like a bonsai tree. you got to keep it trimmed and nice and neat. Same thing with the TAA. They should have kept it to two, three companies and rotated them every year by lottery, by design. I don't care. Whenever, whenever your driving force is just to make revenue and not thinking about anything long term, it's usually what happens. You know, I, I think if they kept the rotation of two or three TAA brands a year, get people more excited about it, whatever. Look, you have to say, well, we don't want to give up this one because this one sells great every year. Well, yeah, it sells great every year until you dilute the rest. You know, they, 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 you just got you just can't flood the market with things that you think work on one or two things. Think, oh, we're just going to flood everything with it. No, Rocky, I, rebuttal. Rocky, rebuttal? No, I think there's a lot of value to what you guys are saying. I, I think there are too many cigars out there. I mean, listen, uh, in the past, uh, I, I will say that we probably come out with the cigar just because they wanted a cigar and get it out there. But we decided to put our best foot forward. Um, this year, we made something that is strictly made for the TA. We made the cigar for 18 months. Uh, we used unique and rare tobaccos in it. I think it's something we're very proud of. And again, with the thousand boxes, we're not going to make that much money, but it's something special if you can get your hands on it. I think sure. it's a cigar that's going to sell out quickly. And um, just because we're very proud of it. So, we're, you know, we're, we're in a position now where we're taking things and we're, we're working on products that are unique, different, and, and have a lot of age to it. And I think that might be the new form moving forward because it's not just about but it's about getting the best cigar out there and, and, and trying to make it better than the high standards that are already out in the marketplace. Absolutely. Coop, uh, what else you got going on or anything else you're hearing or what's in the rumor-free teaser-free basket? Um, I mean, there's, there, there's not a lot right now other than people are asking me basically, you know, what's happening with the PCA yet, which I think it's too uh, still too early to tell. So, um, you know, that part has been that's probably the big question on many people's minds over the next few weeks. It's, it's going to be I haven't heard anything one way or another on it. So, um, you know, I think a lot of attention with these with companies right now has really been on this COVID. So the news cycle sort of slowed a bit right now, which I would totally understand that right now. I, uh, I'm going to lose a $5 sign bet on the PCA. Yeah. Oh, I, I got to ask you something. Speaking of the bet. So I applaud you for wanting to get 5,000 members, right? And, and I'll say this, I'll match the $10 sign as well. But what happened when you tried to give away 250, uh, CRA memberships at the great smoke for free? I don't know. Did you were you able to give away the two hundred and fifty memberships that you got? First off, first off, um, I don't know this year. I know I got a message from Glenn saying it was a record year. We had people from like twenty two different yeah. states. Okay. But you gotta understand, Paul, I don't do nothing to market that. I throw an event, they pitch it up and then they handle it. That's Glenn's department to handle. Okay, so that has nothing to do with that then. Yeah, I'm just stroking a check at the end of the day. Okay. Up. The more people he gets to sign up, the bigger you know check I gotta write, right? Okay. Or or I think he gives me a flat rate. And I pay a donation, and he, as many people sign up, sign up, I pay the same rate, right? So um, I'm just footing the bill for the day, but I'm not handling the marketing at all. But look, okay. I'm, I'm a marketing guy. I always have been. I believe with the right message, anything can be achieved. It's just a matter of what the right message. I don't think we've quite figured out the formula for the right message on what's going to get people to want to belong to the CRA, right? And I don't know if I'm going to get it right, but what I sure am going to do is experiment and see if I can figure it out. 
right? But this linear data reading of all this, I, I, I zoned out while Rocky was talking to me on my show. I was like, I had to interrupt him. I couldn't listen to it anymore, you know? So I don't think we've figured out the right message, but 5,000, not people. I mean, I know I got a few thousand friends on Facebook who have a few thousand friends and if you have a few thousand friends. Now, look, just like anything, right? And look, if you want my opinion, I think you should only give away the cigar pack the first time. Guys, it should be a repetitive thing every year. That's just my little opinion, right? So that should be a first time thing. But just like anything, see, here's the problem. It's it's the attrition rate, right? And keeping new people. We, we, we got their 25 or 30 bucks, and then we didn't do shit. We didn't communicate with them. We didn't do nothing, whatever. It's keep sending the message so they pay that 25 bucks every year. You know, this is not my department, and nor do I know what's been being done. And I'm not criticizing the CRA in any way because this is a very difficult thing to figure out. Yeah. But these are the methods that every other organization like this has to figure out to be successful. That's an excellent point. All right. I think we've basically hit all the numbers. We've made a $10 bet. We have uh, gone through all of the great PCA comment we can. We've dissected all the new products. We've got a lot of great information. Coop, what's you got anything uh, coming up review wise this week? Uh, yeah, we have the Hoya de Nicaragua, Connecticut coming up uh, for review. Uh, the CAO TAA cigar from last year is getting reviewed, kind of ironically. We're talking about that. Um, and it's the three-year anniversary of, of my podcast on Thursday with Pete Johnson. Hey, congratulations. Awesome. Yep, yep. Very good. All right, Paul, who's uh, coming on next week? Uh, we will announce that. I We have somebody, and I don't remember who it is. I'm, oh, I think Eric. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think Eric is confirmed, Eric Espinoza. Okay, so we yeah. will have another live video conference with Eric Espinoza next week at 10 a.m., Rocky, thank you for being here, for uh, taking the time out of your day. It's been a pleasure, my friend. My Rocky, pleasure. Thanks for having me hey. on. Always great to, great to share some time with you guys. Be safe out there. Coop, congratulations on your three-year anniversary. Abe, uh, all of you guys stay healthy, be safe. And, uh, you too. To you too, Rocky. Sooner than later. Absolutely. Everybody, you too, Rocky. Everybody make sure you wash your hands. Make <laughs> sure you uh, sanitize everything and don't touch your face. Uh, next week with Eric Espinoza. <laughs> we will be back then, and as always, keep it lit, everybody. Take care, everyone. Oh.